Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. Because it's not just me and DJ talking to you today, we are joined by a very special guest, a soon-to-be five-time Paralympic competitor and a multiple medal-winning competitor, including two gold medals in his time, uh, in swimming, and that is Matt Levy joining us from Australia. He is an Australian swimmer getting ready for his fifth Paralympic Games. Matt, welcome in. Obviously, this is a, a, a getting ready training time for you. You're kind of winding down your training, getting ready to compete. How do you feel so far? Yeah, yeah thanks so much for having me on the uh, the podcast. Um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, we had our nationals uh, back in uh, well, about five or so weeks ago now, and um, <clears throat> it was a really stressful period of time and. It's good to get, I guess, get that out of the way and to get uh, um, <clears throat> on the team and to, uh, I guess, get those qualifying times and and all that. And um, yeah, now it's just, I guess, getting into the fine tuning of um, the preparation for the games. And uh, we're going into a pretty unknown environment with with COVID and and all, and all the protocols that it that it brings. But um, yeah, it's really exciting to um, be going to my fifth, fifth games and to 
uh, see what I can produce and see what I can do. Yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, you think about this, five games is unheard of in a lot of different sports to go to a uh, your fifth consecutive. I mean, because these are just like every other event, four years in separation, right? And so you've been going yeah. at this for quite a long time, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. So while, um, oh yeah, obviously it's my fifth, fifth games that you don't really think about it as one games after the next. It's really, um, for me, I guess I enjoy what I'm doing. I have a passion for what I do. So I just, I love to, I guess, see myself continually improve and continually uh, get better. And I guess that's kind of why I continually do what I do. It's not so much just to tick off another game and to tick off another uh, medal or result. Um, it's really about, for me, seeing, I guess, that I still have improvement in me at 34, uh, which is not not old, um, but I guess in sporting terms, it's not young. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, really been an exciting journey and a journey that I would never regret if I had to do it over again. Yeah, I know that's, it, it is really exciting. I'm looking at, you know, looking at your, your medals count and, and you actually had your best games in 2012, but you didn't just like shy away after that. You know, you kept, you kept driving through, you actually have more medals after those games than you did before those games. So, uh, you know, that is, you talk about your peak, obviously being 34, I'm 30, I'm 30 as well. So we're, you know, in those 30 ranges and if you can compete at an, at, at, at an athletic event, especially a world-class event, like what you're doing, and still fight for these medals. I mean, you just won bronze in 2019. I mean, you still obviously have it. And, um, you know, it's super exciting to see that you will be going to your fifth games. And you mentioned COVID. Obviously, I was going to say you're, you're kind of an old hat at this by now, getting ready for your fifth games. But with the COVID situation coming <laughs> forward, how has that changed these last preparation months for you? Um, yeah, it's been very difficult. Um, obviously, most countries have had lockdowns. And we had a, a, a big lockdown in March, April um or march april and march april may and uh yeah it was i guess difficult to not be able to swim um and do the sport i guess you love at that time and um yeah it was, it's been a really big adjustment and you kind of really have to know where you're going and, and what you're doing and why you're going to be there because um you uh, know in, in australia um they tend to lock down um pacific pacific states um if there's COVID cases so um it's uh yeah it's been very tricky to um, head to competitions and and work out if you're going to go back to your training program or, or not or you're going to stay on or it's yeah it's been a myriad of different uh scenarios at play and um yeah heading into the games um, when we get to Tokyo it'll be even more of a challenge um with COVID testing most days and um, a lot of COVID protocol around uh competition and, and training and even sleeping and eating as well yeah, I could, uh, I could only imagine. I mean, I will, ha I will say this though. Uh, you guys have definitely handled it better than we have over here in the states. Uh, obviously, you know whether we want to close or not it seems to be open to each individual state. And with there being so many, it's uh, nobody's on the same page. Uh, it feels like, or at least you guys have to have a sort of direction you're going towards, right? And it's, it seems well, to be... <laughs> yeah, yes and no. Like I think same thing. Like in Australia, I think everything, everyone's on different pages with whether they're going to lock down or not lock down. Um, whether they lock down for one case or lock down for 10 cases and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's, it's pretty much on the same page with that. But um, I think being an island, I guess it definitely does help um, with kind of trying to uh, keep out uh, much of the, the issues that, that I guess mainland countries would have. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. A little luxury there in that one, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so obviously we've talked about a little bit, you know, your, your, how you, you know, your, your success with swimming, but how did you let's let's flash back to the beginning obviously you have a very 
interesting. I like I I you know reading your story is absolutely fantastic. You've actually published a book on it, and we'll talk about that a little later. But really, how did you get into swimming? Obviously, um, you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy and vision disparity. Uh, vision impairment from being born premature how how have you gone and dealt with those situations sorry like like just talk about through your from the start to now how kind of how you've traveled this journey yeah so i was was born pretty early born born at 25 weeks um back in 1987 uh i um i guess as a consequence of being born early uh i had a a bleed on the brain the first probably 10 or so days of life which i guess caused a lot of a lot of issues and uh, I've, um, uh, as a consequence from that, um, I became vision impaired or legally blind. Um, so I can see about mm, two, two, three meters centrally and have no peripheral. Um, so I guess it's like looking into a tunnel essentially. Uh, and yeah, I was diagnosed with, uh, cerebral palsy, which is a neurological condition, um, quite early on, which, um, for me, I guess it affects, uh, my, uh, how the, how the messages come from my brain to my muscles. And, uh, for me, I guess it, it's a lot easier to swim than just to walk. Um, and uh, I guess early on my speech was slurred and I had a little trouble speaking and that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, I guess from probably day dot to around 15, I have had around 45 operations and still continue to have uh, a myriad of operations uh, today. But um, I guess I started swimming mainly for health reasons. Uh, to really kind of help me move my arms and legs and to get me kind of healthy and moving because um, uh, being in the water was a lot easier than being on land and uh, I guess it really started as therapy for for me and a therapy for uh, me as a person um, rather than me competing uh, and yeah I guess I've had some challenges along the way uh, but uh, I guess it's really about making the most of the opportunities that you have and we all have I guess the same 24 hours in a day, uh, the same amount of time to do things in, in, our, in our lives and just a matter of, I guess, taking the opportunities that we get to really make the most of what we can do uh, with our lives. And uh, for me, I guess I've tried to do that throughout uh, throughout my life, um, whether I've succeeded, failed or, or somewhere in between. Yeah. When did you, when did that moment hit you? Like, obviously you talk about doing it for, you know, more therapy, more, you know, mental and and physical therapy for your body just to kind of keep you moving but when did it hit you that like swimming could be something you do competitively like when did that that bug kind of come come and get you yeah so i saw um i went to sydney 2000 paralympics and olympic games and i guess i saw a lot of people at the paralympic games that year uh, i was 12 13 years of age and uh, i saw people with far worse disabilities than myself and um that kind of really started to like the competitive fire in me and that some and that kind of got me thinking that uh it was really something that i probably could do more than just swimming up and down uh laps of a swimming pool and um that's i guess where that fire started to be lighted and and um yeah it kind of just went from there i got um i I trained a little bit more and and i guess started with having a goal of wanting to make paralympic games and that kind of really changed the mindset and changed the shift um to just swimming up and down to really kind of training for something and training for something uh, worthwhile. And yeah, uh, here we are um, some 21 years later. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, really, it, at, like for the sports world, I feel like it's worth mentioning. You didn't just do it to just, you know, because you were competitive, you did it and you did it well uh, immediately. I mean, it, it correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 2003, 
you broke the record for the 200 meter freestyle short course? Yeah, so that was like probably my first world record um, that I broke um, in, in zero three. And um, yeah, that kind of really started me on kind of the rise to um, doing something half decent um, on the world <laughs> stage. And uh, yeah, it just kind of went, went from there. And uh, yeah, I'm still trying to kind of work out what events I like and what events I can swim um, <laughs> at, at my age. I, I think I've done a myriad of different events uh, over my career. Uh, started off as a 400 meter freestyle swimmer, which is um, eight laps of the pool. Um, and uh, yeah, in my career, I've done 50 freestyle, which is one lap of the pool. And uh, I've done hundred meters, which is, which is, is two laps. And I've done, I am, which is uh, four laps of eight, uh, two, one lap of each stroke, um, four laps in total. And um, yeah, I've done anything from distance to sprint events. So uh, yeah, I've definitely done my fair share of different events and yeah, it's just really working out what, how I best I fit. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and, you know, uh, one of the, one of the cool things I think I, I found when I was, you know, reading up on the Paralympic swimming uh, classifications and things is obviously they classify individuals by their abilities, um, by what they're capable of being able to do. Uh, but you're classified in the S7 group, which is people who are, you know, very similar into what, you know, you guys are capable of physically, you know, due to your uh, CP and, and things like that. And how does that change things for you? Because like, you know, you talk about if you were compared to the Olympics, the Olympics is just everybody runs a 100 meter dash, everybody swims a hundred meter free. But for Paralympic to be competing against individuals with the same abilities as you, is that does that even drive that fire even a little bit more that you, you want to not only be in your classification the best time, but even all the classifications you want to have the best time? Is that does that ever go through your mind? Maybe. Um, it would be nice, but yeah, not really. Um, because um, I guess I'm an S seven class, which is, I guess, mild to moderate disability, and then um, we go all the way up to. In the physical classification, we go all the way up to 10. Um, so I guess there's three classes between myself and the top class in the physical classification, which uh, there's about maybe, you know, in 50 meters, there's about five second difference um, between the winner of my class and the winner of the, the, the highest class. So um, I guess it's really always about trying to um, beat your own time and to better your own self because uh, at the end of the day, you don't know who's going to turn up and how they're going to turn up. And uh, being a classification system, um, you're always going to have people at the top end and the bottom end, um, both physically and obviously performance-wise. And um, yeah, it's very, very hard to um, <clears throat> have a system that's ever fair. Um, because yeah, you've always got about 100 points between each, each or 20 points or something between each each class classification. So um, uh, in yeah, it's always trying to get the most fair system, but it's um yeah very difficult with um the way uh, classification works and and you're grading people on their said conditions and that kind of thing. Um, but um, unless you have someone with exactly the same disability, um, exactly the same impairment, um, it's very hard to I guess uh, determine who. Uh, yeah, where they, I guess they, they fit, but um, I guess to make it fair, they, they, I guess, design the classification system and kind of fit people in classes that they feel that um, their, their impairment uh, it fits in. And yeah, it's, it's very, very complicated. Um, it's, um, I yeah. guess the fairest it can be, 
but um but yeah it's it's um always been a, a bane of controversy uh in sport just because the way it's set up and the way i guess uh the the system system is and and in swimming and, and other sports are pretty similar uh most everyone i guess runs on the classification system um but yeah it's 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 always been up for debate and whether it works or whether it doesn't work but i guess it's the fairest it can be and um yeah whatever system you have is always going to be uh questioned and 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 um scrutinized and yeah like you said that the olympics obviously everyone just rocks up and competes and there's no system in place but i guess people can still take drugs and that kind of stuff so uh it's yeah the classification system is is um pretty similar to that and then, like yeah we all just rock up and compete but um there is people that can uh, not take drugs but uh, can tank the system and um and uh benefit it to their their own own needs in terms of what class they're in and that kind of thing um so there is yeah potentially that at play um more so than drugs in in an olympic sport <laughs> yeah and and no that's a good point though i mean it is a uh i guess you get murky waters when it gets into these differentiating <laughs> between some of the classifications um as you mentioned i mean there is yeah you know it, they, they try to clear it up as much as possible and you are exactly right though there are very 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 big complications in it because i was trying to read through it and and grasp it since since we talked about doing this interview and I mean, I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. I mean, but there's uh, reading it. I honestly felt really dumb reading it. And, like I, <laughs> I was like, there were just things that they would put into it. And I'm like, wait, really? That's a separation between a class. I, I, it was just very unique. Um, around yeah, some of the yeah. I mean, they originally wish, uh, they just recently changed the system in 2018. And so every, that made, made everyone have to get classified again. Um, so the whole world before. Tokyo this year had to get looked at, had to get assessed and assessed in the new system. Um, so that, I guess, threw up even more challenges because um, uh, the new system was, was different and people that were, some people that were in the old system as a certain class, some of them were classed out and not, not eligible in the, in the new system where it were, um, uh, and they had competed at like the last three or four, four games and won medals and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah it's um yeah it hasn't been the, the classification system hasn't been uh the well most well received thing in paralympic sport but it's the thing that i guess holds it together otherwise you wouldn't have the sport that we have today <laughs> yeah no that's a, that's a good point and, and you know just like any sport you mentioned it uh, classification seems to always be no matter what you have in in place it always seems to be the most critiqued thing and uh you know i think of just different sports that they've had those issues with and we look at soccer and they're what they just went through this last, or football and, uh, you know, uh, the rest of the world, what they went through in this last year about the, uh, the Super Leagues and uh, oh, yeah. not being not being happy enough with a, with the a Champions League. They won a Super League. Um, so classification always being a thing that, that can become a part mm -hmm. of it. Uh, but talking more about, like, obviously, with we, we talk about Olympic athletes, especially over here in the U.S., that, like, the Olympic athletes here, just even regular Olympic athletes, they have to go and work a regular day job, you know, nine to five, if you will. Uh, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually have a master's in BA in business administration that you just received as well, correct? Yeah, so I um I received that uh end of last year. Um yeah, so that's pretty pretty cool. I thought I kind of needed something a bit more uh tangible and um I guess recognized than than just a bachelor of business. And um I saw that the MBA that I did it had a pretty big practical component in it and it really kind of taught 
uh, um, skills that you would need in the workplace. Um, we did a few, uh, I guess, mini internships of, of 12 weeks, um, um, three, three separate internships over the course of the year and a half. I did my, um, my MBA and um, that was, I guess, that kind of really sold me on the MBA that I did and um, how practical it was to really kind of get that uh, real world understanding. Um, I've been working in the corporate world for about 11, 12 years now, but um, to really kind of get that uh, in-depth understanding um, was really good. And um, uh, yeah, MBA, uh, MBAs never, I guess, go out of fashion. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, so it um, was really good to, I guess, get that um, kicked off. Um, and I, now I just need to kind of embed those skills into the learnings, I guess, that I've got from that MBA into, I guess, the working life and kind of see where that kind of lands. Yeah, how is that? Uh, how does that work? I mean, with training wise, are you still, are you still working, or are you working remote, or are you just? Uh, do they let you have off for training, or like, is it a sabbatical? How does that? How does that work for you? Is like, uh, when you tell them like, hey, I'm going to compete in my fifth Paralympic Games, do they like, all right, we'll leave you like, we'll leave you on 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 payroll, but like, you have to do a couple work, or how how does that work for you? Um, so I've been working. Uh... So since COVID, I've been working remote and most people in Australia have been working remote. Um, so that kind of definitely does help from a training perspective. And um, I live in, at the moment in Canberra um, at the Australian Institute of Sport, um, which is our national training centre. Uh, so um, everything's on site, uh, training's on site, live, live is on, living facilities is on site. Um, so that makes it really easy um, compared to when I was in Sydney, Australia, uh, uh, to travel to work. Um, travel to training, all that kind of stuff. I was spending around 15 or 16 hours of travel time um, prior to COVID. So COVID's definitely been a help in terms of uh, simplifying my my life a little bit um, since I've moved to to the Australian Institute of Sport. But um, yeah, from a work perspective, uh, I, I just take off, I guess, when I have camps and when I have um, <clears throat> major meets and um, I'll be taking off probably a week or two off before the Paralympic Games, so around probably four weeks uh, in total. Uh, and yeah, other than that, I work my work around training and my training around work um, to kind of fit uh, fit my day basically. And um, yeah, work have been really good. Um, I guess I've been really upfront with them from the beginning um, since I started back in 2010. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just um, really about being open and honest with your manager and kind of getting them on board because um yeah not everyone understands sport but they do understand i guess life and and life balance and that kind of stuff so um yeah it's just a matter of i guess uh yeah having that conversation i guess and, and being open yeah. um and transparent <clears throat> yeah that's it's always interesting to talk about the uh that you just said work-life balance um for athletes especially for somebody of your caliber of an athlete. I mean, when you talk about doing Paralympic games, not everybody gets to do that, right? Obviously not everybody gets to go and compete on a world stage. Um, and so to do so while still working your job and, and your, your job understanding enough to be like, all right, yeah, we'll let you have a couple weeks here and there, a couple weeks there. We will let, you know, we'll watch and support you as you go off and represent Australia for, uh, you know, the, the Paralympics. It's really cool. It's, it's really interesting to hear as well. I mean, cause there are some, I, you know, I, see it with the Olympic trials here in the U S some, some people will be working at a sporting goods store, go to the Olympic trials, never have a job, uh, kept for them, you know? And so their, their employer doesn't respect them as much as like, you know, on the backside of things. So it's, it's really cool to see that they actually do give you that opportunity. Um, now I do like, 
looking at literally looking at your career so far swimming it's it's fascinating to me because you haven't just done well you, you talked about you know doing a, a so-so job when you first said it. you're very very humble about your success here i mean but you look at your the the events you finished in you talk about doing different ones you've i believe you've meddled in every different stroke that i can see freestyle medley breaststroke uh at least every stroke is represented in some way shape or form whether it be through medley or through an individual how does that feel just to know that no matter really the event you don't feel too out of place if you will <laughs> um yeah i kind of never thought about it like that but it's yeah it's really about um yeah once i work out what events i want to do uh it's really about i guess trying to get the skills um and the understanding of that event um to really kind of swim the fastest i can swim um and possibly uh yeah uh try and kind of improve those those skills uh in the process but uh yeah i guess i've kind of covered most most strokes um except backstroke um from a metal perspective uh but um i guess i covered that in the relay uh but um yeah it's been definitely a, a wild ride and something that I guess if I look back on my career um, from the at the very beginning uh, in 2000 when I saw the Paralympic Games for the first time uh, I never I guess would have dreamt that I would be going to my fifth games uh, some 21 years later and and obviously covering covering a few events along the way and along the journey and uh, many different countries uh, in between yeah I was just looking at your world champions world championships it looks like 13 medals in your world championship tour as well and that's in above itself along with your seven paralympic games i mean you talk about doing it all over the world all over the country you've been to you've won it looks like i feel like you've won an event in every continent at this point uh, other than other than antarctica if looking if, if i'm looking at this correctly i do feel like that is that is correct uh i guess it depends on what you consider oceania versus what you consider the uh the asian continent i guess is the difference but um, yeah, no, that's it's absolutely awesome to watch. What is your favorite one though? What is your favorite stroke to to swim? Um, I think it's always been freestyle. Uh, I guess it's always been the most competitive uh, discipline, but um, it gives you, I guess, a uh, chance to swim relays. It gives you a chance to, I guess, um, be in like a team, I guess, environment um, in an individual sport. And um, yeah, I've always enjoyed. I've always been more of a natural freestyler, uh, but uh, yeah, it's um, I guess always a uh, always good to kind of mix up the strokes and to really kind of branch out a little bit because um yeah doing uh, overarm the whole time um becomes very repetitive and boring yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine uh especially now do you uh do you ever feel like do you feel like that is your best event too or is it just kind of that's just the favorite one because it's the most natural for you or is that do you all do you feel like it is your best uh no i guess it's been not my best Historically, um, it's probably been one of my worst. Uh, well, in certain certain events, it's fit, certain comps, it's been probably my best. But I guess overall, I think it's been medium range. But I'm, I think because uh, I feel natural, more natural at that stroke, um, I, I, it feels the easiest to do. But I guess being freestyle, everyone can do it, uh, and it um, becomes a lot more competitive. Um, I guess I've won medals in 100 freestyle at multiple games uh, and in relays and stuff. But I think my most probably successful games, successful disciplines probably been I am probably, um, which is um, 50 meters of each stroke that 
yeah, definitely it's always been freestyle in terms of my natural feel and, and how I feel best um, in that, uh, in, in a certain stroke. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that's, that's kind of a, a weird thing to talk about? Because you talked about like really outside of backstroke, you haven't really, you know, you, I, 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 do you do you compete individually backstroke? Because it, what I was looking at, I hadn't seen you compete individually backstroke. No, no, um, I don't compete individually in backstroke. Um, maybe sometimes here and there to get a bit of practice, but um, yeah, mostly it's um, all the other strokes, I guess you mentioned. Yeah. So, so does that does that feel weird that like your best event is the one that contains an event you don't even a discipline you don't really compete in individually too? Is that does that feel a little weird when you when you think about it? Like, yeah, I'm like you're good enough that you don't even compete in this one individually, but you're still good enough to win that event that includes that that single discipline. <laughs> um. I guess it makes it hard because uh, being, uh, I guess, yeah, the backstroke in the IM, um, but uh, I guess I have to try a lot harder to keep up with, uh, I guess, those natural backstrokers and the ones that can actually do it really, really well. So, um, yeah, it makes it tricky um, from that sense. And I guess you have to uh, be better at some of the other disciplines in that in that race to be able to... Um, to uh, get on top of, of them because um, I guess they're going to be a lot better in that stroke than, than I am. So, yeah, it's a catch-22. Like, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, great to, I guess, be in the mix and win medals, um, even though my backstroke is not that great. But you have to try a lot harder in those other other uh, other disciplines. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you ever feel like it's a more of a mind-over-matter thing? Like, I mean, do you feel like maybe it's more because your your mentality is, like, yeah, you have to focus more, but maybe that makes it better. Does that, do you feel like that might be the case? Or like, do you think like the, the mentality of it plays, plays into why you're better maybe at IM than freestyle straight up? Um, yeah, I might put more probably pressure on myself in freestyle because, um, you know, like people are going to be a little closer. Uh, I guess that, you know, definitely probably be, have a, be a factor in it. Cause, um, yeah, like you, I tend to be a bit more relaxed in the IM because uh, you need to be because you're doing four, four other strokes um, rather than one. And um, yeah, it's definitely the way you, how you approach things that really help, um, whether you're gonna uh, be stressed out or not stressed out or um, be more relaxed or not relaxed and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, your mindset and your approach to things, um, whether it's in my sport or in my life, it's definitely helps um, to be, uh, to approach things um, in different lights sometimes and not get too uptight because um yeah like we can't control what we our competitors are doing but we can control I guess what we do so I, I try and approach um that kind of same process in 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 my races and uh it's yeah it's very hard I guess in the heat of the moment but um you try best to kind of uh have a calm mind and have a calm focus to get the best outcome yeah, you know, I know there's I, there's thousands of coaches out there just kind of laughing at us when we talk about that, right? When they hear this, they're like, "What we tell you guys to calm down every single time, to not think about it before the you know before the event." And I feel like you hit you hit the nail on the head. It's so much easier to say that than to actually to actually do that for sure. Um, yeah. Now, one of the, part, the reason I ask about some of the mentality is because you did, as we talked about earlier, you did just release a memoir back in 2020, uh, not that long ago. I say back in 2020, like it was. Uh, but, you know, last year, and the title of it is actually Keeping Your Head Above Water, Inspirational Insights from a Champion. So when you were creating this memoir, what 
like what was the goal when you first set out to talk about this with you know talk about your book like what was what was your goal to, to get across uh, I guess originally when I first started it was really about um, improving my public speaking and kind of getting my brand out there but then as I kind of did it uh, as I kind of like went through the process of creating uh, the concept and creating I guess uh, the stories in between um, it really became more about um, sharing my journey and sharing my experiences of what I've done and hope that I can kind of pass on lessons to whoever's reading it and uh, I guess give them some tips that they can kind of uh, bring into their own lives whether it's sport whether it's personal whether it's uh, anything in life um, uh, the concepts I guess that I kind of talk about are universal um, and something that I guess you can all everyone can relate to and everyone can kind of piece together in their own lives whether it's whatever it is uh so yeah I guess at the end of the day it's really about sharing my own thoughts and my own journey but also I guess leaving the reader with um some tips and tricks that can potentially help them in their own own lives and and um their own I guess path that they're going on awesome yeah see I, I love that because you know I, I I mean I feel like this is a situation where you've taken something that a lot of people would look at potentially as a disability, right? And yeah. as as detrimental to their their health. I mean, we have very able-bodied people that don't even try to compete enough, uh, to complete enough to to compare with what you've gone through in your your personal journey. And, and to show that your diagnosed disability is not a disability. In fact, it's actually something that you turn into an advantage and, and we're able to capitalize on in, in, a, in a different way is is amazing i mean uh, when you when you talk about cerebral palsy it, it, it can affect you in so many different ways right it's not just yeah, one different <laughs> so like so for you i mean how is that like really like you did mention a little bit earlier like obviously it, it does affect some of the way that the nerves happen but but on a personal basis how has cp really made things different for you that that people might not understand yeah so i think for me um cerebral palsy uh is really um I have weakness, I guess, on my on my legs, um, so I guess I don't get uh, as much. Um, I guess I kind of walk, struggle to walk um, sometimes, and uh, I definitely can't walk in a straight line. Uh, and I guess going up and down stairs is very very difficult uh, from a from a cerebral palsy um, perspective and a balanced perspective. Uh, and um, yeah, definitely depth perception um, is very difficult, um, mainly from I guess a vision perspective, but. Um, not being able to, I guess, feel my feet and having that, I guess, nerve and tactile sensation um, is very difficult. Uh, and uh, yeah, every now and again, I guess I could have a bit of slurred, slurred speech. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess just not having the same motor patterns as as a normal, uh, as a non-able, non-able, non-disabled person uh, is, um, yeah, difficult. Um, I guess it's, yeah, it's definitely hard to comprehend, but um i guess it's more about the feeling and, and um the understanding of that different feeling that that i kind of have that that um i guess other people probably won't understand and uh yeah i guess from from my perspective i guess in summary yeah it, it, it affects me in, in different ways and um yeah it may not be visible um as such but um yeah it definitely i guess affects me from a physical perspective uh, and a comp and uh cognitive perspective as well yeah uh, you mentioned the cognitive perspective i mean mentally wise mentality 
your your mentality to get uh, to get through an everyday basis is, is a big deal of this, right? I mean, you there's no I almost feel like there's no feeling sorry for yourself on a day to day basis. Um, you know, you kind of have to force yourself to 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 get through it at some points. Is that is that about how it goes? Uh, yeah, I think it's really about finding the positives in in the negative, and I think even if you don't want to get out of bed one morning, even if you don't want to uh, do something um, or, or, or do that particular activity, it's really about, I guess, finding that one positive in that activity to really kind of get yourself motivated. Because I think if you don't try um, to do something, if you don't, I guess, try to make that effort, um, you're not, I guess, continuing to grow and continuing to learn. It's, um, yeah, it's for me, I guess, if I don't want to go to training, I'm not going to get the benefit of, of, of that training, but um, it's yeah, really about finding that one or two positive things uh, in that session that I can do right. Um, even if I'm doing a bad, even if I'm having a bad day, I need to, I want to come out of that session with something, uh, whether it's a one positive thing um, to really kind of help me and improve what I do today um, to be better tomorrow. And I think that's the same with anything we do. It's, uh, whether we want to do it or not, um, it's really about, I guess, finding that one positive out of what we do to really make the most out of uh, the journey and the journey, what we uh, the journey of what we're going on. And um, yeah, if we can improve one thing today, um, it will lead to two things tomorrow and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, it's just really a continual process. That's a perfect way to put it. Improve one thing today. And it's a snowball process after that, right? Everything is, yeah. they, they like to say downhill, but it's a staircase. You're stacking on top of each other one stair at a time. Um, yeah, and that's it's, a fantastic. It could be windy, process. but it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. It'll get there eventually, right? That's the goal, right? You'll get there eventually. And, um, but so I kind of want to, I, I want to ask you some, on, on a personal level for you, what has been your proudest moment along your journey so far? Like, what is that one moment that you stand out on? And it could be today, it could be three years, six years, eight years down, you know, 20 years in the future. And you look back on and you are just the absolutely most ecstatic about that moment. What is that one moment that sticks out to you the most? Uh, I guess just my whole career, really, like to be able to uh, mentor the young ones coming through and kind of show them what, uh, what it means to be successful. It's not just, I guess, that gold medal. It's not that, it's not just that personal best it's it's the the whole journey it's the whole experience that you draw on throughout your career and uh I guess if I could leave my the legacy of my sport and my journey as one thing it would be um that yeah no matter I guess what's uh what you've done what you've achieved it's really about I guess what you can learn from um the experience and uh for me, I guess it's yeah, the proudest moment would be to kind of continue to share that message to the younger generation um, of Paralympians, of people that I kind of meet in my daily life. But uh, I guess from a personal note, um, winning the uh, being awarded the Order of Australia Medal in 2014 would be one of the proudest moments. It's um, was it signifies services to sport uh, in Australia and uh, it's internationally recognized and I think that would be one of my proudest uh achievements but um but yeah it's not not I guess thanks to my results and anything like that it's all thanks to I guess the uh, more so the people that I guess have been on that journey with me and uh, I definitely couldn't do it without the people that I bring along the way and the 
um, supporters and that my family and all that kind of thing uh, as well. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, as as athletes, everyone sees that top of the tree, the and the us uh, competing and and winning medals and or, or, or failing or, or succeeding. But at the end of the day, it's um, thanks to the people that we have around us that are able to get us to that point. And um, yeah, and the public don't see that at the end of the day, but um, yeah, it's, uh, that's, I guess, one of my proudest moments as well to be able to uh, compete for my country and compete on the world stage, but to do it for my friends, my family and the people that support me as well. Yeah, does it ever feel surreal? Uh, all the people that support you, do you ever just get that moment where you're like, you know, like, this is crazy. I never would have thought we got here. And then here you are. Uh, does it, do you get that? Uh, maybe when I've finished and stopped swimming and kind of thought about it, but yeah, at the moment it's just continuing to continue on kind of thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's still, still in the dream, I think. <laughs> I feel you. No, that is, that's not a bad thing by any means. I mean, obviously it's, it is something to look, look back on one day. And, um, now I do want to ask there, because on the flip side of all the, all the, best moments we all have that moment where we probably question whether we we're on the right path for you did you have have you had that moment in your career did you ever stop and be like do I really feel like continuing to do this and if, you, if so what did you do to overcome that um I guess I had that kind of moment most days um I guess I don't want to go to training some days I, I don't want to uh go to work I don't want to do this I don't want to have this meeting with my boss and that kind of thing and um, I guess I kind of, in all those kind of moments, I kind of think to myself and reassess, I guess, what I'm doing and, and whether I want to continue on this path. And, um, yeah, it's just really about, I guess, remembering why I started in the first place and why I wanted to do that particular thing in the first place. And, um, I guess the only way I'm going to get the best out of it is by giving my all to that particular activity. And, uh, I guess there's not been there's been many moments where I've had doubts and had I've second guessed myself, but I always remember back to the reason why I set out to do that goal in the first place. Cause um, I guess I always set goals that are uh, in the future and um, it's always, I guess, trying to reaffirm those goals and to really kind of understand well, why I want to do it at the very beginning. And uh, once I've kind of done that, it makes, I guess, those, uh, doubts and those questions that I have in my mind uh, a lot lot easier and um, <clears throat> I guess during COVID was difficult because um, uh, everyone was in lockdown we were not able to train for three months but uh, I guess in that kind of moment it was continuing to remember why I wanted to make Tokyo and, and whether I still want to make Tokyo and once I kind of came up with that decision that yeah I still wanted to continue this um, journey because uh, another year down the track uh, you're another year older and um, I was 33 last year and being 34 is um, uh, 12 months down the track which um, being at the uh, older end of the athlete spectrum it makes it very difficult so um, I guess that was probably the only moment that I kind of questioned myself for maybe half a second um, mm -hmm. but um, I guess if you still have the passion you still have the desire to do something um, there's no need to, I guess, question yourself. It's just a matter of finding a way. Yeah, no, and that's it. You, you've, you've gotten there. You've, you are now going to your fifth Olympics. 
Um, and now you did mention you reached, you, you set a lot of goals, uh, right. For the future. What is your number one goal once you get to Tokyo and you're competing? What is your number one at the end of the day? Uh, I guess just to enjoy myself, um, stay healthy, uh, and get out of there healthy. Uh, and yeah, just have some fun and, and show, show the world what I can do. Um, cause, um, yeah, I guess we're there to compete with the race. Um, any all the hard work's being done. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, the hardest part, I feel like the hardest part about competitions are everything leading up to the competition. Never yeah, the actual competition day, right? You just kind of put your head down and go. Uh, and your swimming events, they have swimming events scheduled from August 25th all the way through until the 3rd of September. Uh, so if I'm not mistaken, the gold medal events will actually be daily based off of each individual um, event competition. So do you know which days you're racing on yet, or are they kind of out in the up up in the air so far? Yeah, I guess I'm. I think I'm racing day three, five, and seven. Um, okay, so that so we're gonna be on Thursday the twenty sixth, and then Saturday the twenty eighth, and then the seventh would be, yeah, Tuesday the thirty first. So we'll we'll have you in the end of August for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm racing. Um, day three is hundred breaststroke. Uh, day five is four by hundred freestyle relay 34 point um and the day seven is 50 freestyle um s7 uh event so um yeah i've got a pretty a good program um not as busy as i usually am but um but yeah hopefully can win some medals and do some pbs and most of all have fun yeah absolutely now for any of our younger listeners out there i i do want to ask you have gone through a myriad of things to get to where you're at what was what is the one thing you want to leave anybody with who's out there struggling or trying to make it over, make it over that hump or dealing with their own personal demons or issues? What, what is the one thing you want to, you want to tell them that I obviously not to get them through it, but to help them if they, if you can. Yeah. So I guess um, I've gone through, I guess, many challenges and many issues in, in my life. And um, I always try and think of the positives in the negatives. And um, it's really about, I guess, uh, understanding that yeah you're in going into a bad you're in a bad situation at the moment but um it always can be worse um and I guess there's always light at the end of the tunnel it's just really continuing to focus on the positives and continuing to put one foot in front of the other and to really kind of uh make the most of each day and to really kind of uh keep positive um in in that negative uh moment um and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's using, I guess, those people around you to, uh, lean on and to lean on for support. Um, and, and yeah, it's just really about, uh, continuing to remain positive, um, in, in, in that situation. Cause, um, yeah, it's a difficult time, but, um, you'll be better, um, off afterwards. Um, if you, I guess, just remain positive and, uh, remain um remain calm i guess in that situation yeah treat it like an iceberg if you will right you're yeah. you keep your head above water that way your support group will keep you afloat um that's that's what we build the support group for you've talked about it and we've talked about it in the past on the show as well you know having that support group so it helps you get through everything um uh, get you through your daily life and every event so absolutely fantastic uh now matt how do, how is everybody going to keep up with you uh what are what's your social media accounts that they that you normally use and <laughs> how, how's everybody going to follow along with you yeah, so um, I've got um, a few social media accounts, but um, and also a website which also has a link to my book. Um, 
So my, my website's uh, www.mattlevyoam.com.au uh, and I'm also on uh, LinkedIn, um, Twitter and Instagram at Matt Levy. Um, and uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me on those respective social media uh, sites. Um, but yeah, it's um, been yeah fantastic to chat to you guys um, yeah. on the podcast and um, yeah, um, thrilled to be able to share my experience and my journey. Yeah, this was absolutely fantastic, Matt. I greatly appreciate it. Obviously, this is, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your training schedule too. I mean, I'm, get, I'm catching you on an early Sunday morning, your time, uh, you know, in between uh, training sessions when we can get you. So obviously this is getting down to the nitty gritty for you, but we appreciate you taking the time out and um, we'll be sure to follow along in your journey as well. We'll uh, add all the links and everything down below on, on all the, uh, in, in the bios for everything. And uh, we'll make sure we'll even tweet out some results for you too, just because it's going to be absolutely fantastic to follow you along through the events and see how it goes. Um, but Matt, we do want to appreciate you for joining us here on the Highlight Sports. Obviously it was just Kelsey today. DJ is uh, was unavailable to be here for the interview. He's actually working. So uh, those nine to fives get you every once in a while. Uh, but we will be back guys <laughs> next time on some great events. And Matt, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.